Hello and welcome to Clamp, the creating, living, and making podcast. I'm your host, the Grand Alexander, and I'm joined today by Morley Kurt. Hello. And Adam Mackey. Hello. How's everyone doing this week? How about you, Adam? What's up? What's in your clamps? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> we, um, no, I just, I tried to focus on Christmas and spending time with the family for a week. I didn't even go to the gym for a whole week. I feel oh. like crap. Yeah. That would make so, me uh, feel good. <laughs> Sadly, I've, I've literally done nothing. Nothing no. at all. Well, yeah. sounds like a nice relaxing family week. Yeah, you got some, nice you got some living in there. Yep. Did you guys at least have good beach weather? No. It rained all Christmas Day. Oh. Uh, yeah. Are you, are you now, a fan it's of It's like, the middle of summer and it's like pouring outside. Are you a fan of swimming in the rain that, though? Because I feel like that's sometimes really fun. Nah. No, okay. not at all. <laughs> I, don't, I know. It's weird, though, because you're already wet. So well, I don't know. I, the problem I have with swimming in the rain is when the raindrops hit the water and then splash you in the face. Mm, fair. Especially if it's the I, ocean. I don't like swimming Does in the it, ocean. It's, it's a bit redundant when you have kids splashing you in the face. Yeah, fair. You, you Ontarians <laughs> and your dislike of the ocean. I, I don't like salt water. I'm just a I weirdo. It's, it's common it's not, in this province. Is it really? Yeah. Like, it's weird. I, so, a quick kind of aside. I feel like I grew up swimming in the ocean. And for a little while, like, I always was a little weirded out by lakes. But Eden's the opposite. Um, she is, like, a little weirded out by the ocean. She likes swimming in it, but it's just we have different perspectives on it. Yeah, controversial, I, but I hate the beach. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really care. For the I can't beach. stand don't you, like, sand. Don't you like live on the beach or very near the beach? Near a lake. Okay. Oh, you guys are near your Australia has lakes. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> okay. All right. How about what was Grant up to when that that joke fell flat? I have been doing a couple of things. I've been working on the never-ending closet project, which is part of my upstairs renovation where I turned a four-bedroom house into a three-bedroom house. And uh, I've started that in 2016. And part of my 2020 goal was to finish it. And that's not going to happen. But I might get a lot closer. Um it was mainly uh, just putting up some – I built these plywood closet organizers that are eventually going to have drawers in them. And I uh, finally attached them to the wall and then added edge uh, banding. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. Used up all of my tape. We're in lockdown again. So I had to use up – I then found some, like, thicker tape that I don't normally use for edge banding glue-ups. And then I used all of that up, and then I had to turn to the green tape instead of the blue tape. And, uh, yeah. How dare you? I know. It actually worked out really well. The, the green tape was – I don't know. It worked fine. It didn't, like, stick and rip everything off like I was afraid. Uh, mainly, I guess because it's not painted, so it wasn't as big of a deal. But yeah, that's what I've been working on, and uh, my sweet. wife's been really happy. Yeah, it looks sweet. It looks very clean. Oh, thanks. Now, what do you guys think? Should I do uh, for drawer fronts? So the bottom half of those is going to be drawers. Um, there's going to be a bunch of them. But do you think I should do walnut or maple? Those are the two choices. I think maple. You're not painting at all. Isn't everything light? 
in that everything's room? already maple and the mm-hmm. room is like going to be painted it know. depends it depends on what your theme is I don't know there's no theme it's what? a closet there's going to be the door's going to be shut you're going to see it like once in a while I think maple. Do maple yeah I yeah. can't really imagine yeah. walnut in that setting mm. so I was just thinking walnut would be a nice contrast I feel like if it's just the draw faces it's going to look a bit out of place maybe and I think like when I think of walnut furniture i think of like accent uh pieces yeah like, like zach builds desk um things like that um but if it's in a closet i don't know i mean it, it, if it's in a closet it doesn't really matter but i feel like maple would fit in well maple's cheaper think, so it's probably gonna go with maple there you go. there's your answer <laughs> there's your reason i think walnut would have looked nice for like the edge banding or something yeah i tried that my wife said no to that so okay i thought <laughs> Grant, the walnut yeah well, she, if she doesn't like that, she's not going to like for the drill fronts. She'll she'll just like me having the project finished. <laughs> Grant, if you're go. looking for some um, sort of like built-in inspiration, uh, you should check out Kerf Design. I don't know if you already follow them, but I heard about them oh. today, and they do some really beautiful cabinet work. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, this yeah. is like weird because I'm basically I, I'm basically building cabinets, but I don't know how to do it, so I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> that, that's fun. Nice, but. Yeah. And the other thing I've been up to is uh, doing a little leatherwork practice. So I think in October, um, I bought a double double shoulder, I believe it was, of, uh, of, of veg tan leather. And I finally cut a piece off and I tried making, um, I don't think it's going to work out, but I tried making a uh, leather cover for one of my Instructables uh, hmm. notebooks, but I don't think I left enough edge on it. And I think it's not going to have enough left to, to sew into it once I like straighten everything out. It's a lesson we all learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I guess I put it all together and then I, I don't know. I guess I, I drew it out and I gave myself a little extra room, but it might, it, a lot of times it's because when the leather folds, it takes away length because that length gets taken up in the fold. And what that does also hurt the what was happening. But it just started out with, even when I put it, to, like after I the glue had dried, I put it back, like tried to put the thing, the, uh, the notebook in just to test it out. And it still wasn't long enough. And I just went, I don't understand. I mm. It's like the leather shrank overnight. Anyways. If also you wet it beforehand, it can shrink. I hadn't wet it yet. So. Okay. Hmm. The plot thickens. I know. Should I have wet it? Um, not necessarily. I mean, you can wet. I've actually been doing this a bunch recently. Like when I do notebook covers, actually wet molding it around the notebook, and then it makes for a much nicer fold. It, it's currently sitting like that right now. Okay, cool. What, like, but I didn't wet it first. I wet it later. So this is like the whole time I'm doing this, I just go, I don't know the order of operations, and I'm not looking it up. I'm just having fun. Because nice. my internet was broken and I had to <laughs> do something. Uh, and I was just like, yeah. I'll, and then I found like, I don't know, I bought like a $20 starter kit of leather tools and it came with something that looked like a tooling knife. So I tried doing some tooling and that was fun. Sweet. Yeah. It wasn't as, like, it didn't look as nice as, uh, as using a swivel knife. But uh, I think it's like, if you don't have a swivel knife, I think this is what you would use instead. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. It's it looks like a, you know a similar sort of thing, but 
it doesn't swivel. And then the other side of it had like a little bit of a scoopy thing. But I think mm. I'm going to have to pick your brain one day on, uh, you know, how to do some tooling that doesn't look yeah, for sure. uh, ru- like uh, rudimentary like I was doing. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Nice. Very nice. How about you, Morley? What's in your clamps this week? So I was flipping through some sketchbooks and I came across an idea that I came up with before I had my 3D printer. And at the time I was really excited about it, but I didn't really have a good way to make it. But now that I have a 3D printer, I am much more well-equipped to do the idea. So the, um, the prompt is basically this. And I think I, we've talked about it before, but I get a lot of my best creative thinking done when I'm lying in bed in the dark before falling asleep. And sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, but I hate like turning on the lights to write something down and trying to write in the dark is you wake up in the morning and you can't understand what you read. So I was thinking it'd be awesome to have a whiteboard next to my bed that when I take the marker off, it will automatically light up and I can write on it, put the marker back on, it'll turn off. And then in the morning I can see what my idea Uh, was. Now I understand what you've been working on. Yeah. Yeah. So I like um, it. Yeah. I'm basically like 3d printing the frame, going to use a piece of frosted glass for the whiteboard, um, wired up a magnet switch to these string lights. And I think it'll be really cool. Hmm. Um, I'm excited to do that. It's been like, because we're moving in about a month now, um, I haven't wanted to like dive too much into too big of a project. So this feels kind of like the perfect thing to be working on right now. Um, and after sort of like the puzzle box and all the work that went into that kind of just like took a few days of chilling, Eden had like three, four days off of work. So we were, uh, doing a lot of cooking, went on a bunch of big walks. I've been, um, starting my like networking process for looking for work and making some good headway there and, planning for projects and stuff. And we actually, we went snowshoeing a few days ago. We did a wonderful Canadian pastime um, because we got a really nice covering. Um, And while we were out there, I was thinking like, oh, it'd be really cool to like find something in the woods, maybe make something from it. Um, But didn't find much aside from snow and snowballs. It was beautiful though. It was, it was really, really nice. Just like 30 minutes outside of Toronto. Wow, Grant, that is a, Way bigger than my snowshoe. <laughs> oh, Grant, you're muted. Yeah. Come on. I thought this was a professional operation. <laughs> oh, I, well, when I stood up I, to get this snowshoe, I didn't want to have you guys hearing the chair squeak around. Anyways, fun little snowshoes. Yeah, I got these at a garage sale for $10. Have you used them? Um, no. No, they are, these are a wall display item only. Nice. I, I think they would just break huh. apart because the, the, like, Whatever the whatever the material that makes the, like the ribbing feels kind of old and brittle, mm. but the really like cool a pretty looking. cool um, project to make. It yeah. is on my list. It is yeah. one of the things I want to do for sure. One day, yeah, mm. one day. Have you guys? Did you guys ever read the book Hatchet by Gary Paulson? No, you've recommended it to me before, though. Have I? Oh yeah, probably on our camping trip. So it's yeah. like a it's it's a story about a, a kid who crash lands in the middle of Canada 
and has to survive. And in part of it, he makes snowshoes from a moose hide that he kills. And he talks about the snowshoes being all like big and fuzzy. I always think about that when I see vintage snowshoes. Anyway, I digress. Um, No, but I was thinking about during the uh, snowshoeing trip, how it'd be cool to uh, find something that I could make something from, do sort of like found object project. Didn't end up finding anything, but like it kind of got me thinking a bit about found objects and how much those can like really make for amazing projects. I was thinking a lot about like Laura Kampf and in her work, like she, she mentioned in a podcast recently, like she very rarely buys a new two by four. She'll just use ones that she has in her shop that have some sort of story behind it because she is a bit of a hoarder. So like in her workflow, like the found objects can happen within her shop, which are mm-hmm. very much older found objects. Um, but yeah, it's something I'd like to do a little more of. Um, and I used to actually a, a lot more when I was living in Montreal and I was like just trying to build stuff from all the stuff I found on the side of the road. Uh, but now I feel like I've kind of fa- fallen into this comfort zone of like I can just buy something at Home Depot or Amazon if I want to um, work on it. It's but do you guys – yeah, go on. It's definitely one of those things that you have to take a, a big consideration on your time. Right, a yeah. found object often takes more time to use than buying the an object that like I have a lot of scrap wood, lots of it, and I still go out and buy wood because I'm like hey, it would just be easier for me to go get a a brand new plank instead of stitching together five different uh you know mm. bits off other projects that I have lying around. I would just need to find them and then I'd need to. I don't know if I have enough, so I just go and buy a brand new one and then add to that collection of random pieces of maple and oak and whatever hanging around my garage. I'm a really bad hoarder when it comes to scrap wood and stuff. I like, especially cause plywood is so expensive. So I just can't justify throwing out like a one foot by one foot square piece of plywood. Yeah. Cause it, that's like 20 bucks here. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, you think like you get like a two by four from a pallet for instance, by the time you go through the process of pulling the pallet apart, removing all the nails and everything, is that really worth your time as opposed to just going to the shop and buying your two by four? What? So I, I think it all depends on what your goal is. And that's where I think found material and reclaiming material is a very interesting thing. If your goal is to make something, if that is your only goal, buying brand new is the most efficient way. But if your goal is to add character, if your goal is to uh, to have environmental focus, is to have whatever, is to, to tell a story with it, then reclaiming material makes sense. I think – and I think telling the story is one of the biggest attractions to me. I mean using found objects like adds so much to a project. Like I think about the Watts Towers in Los Angeles – which are these like essentially like a guy decided that he wanted to build these like, I don't know, 40, 50 high towers in the middle of Los Angeles on his own property out of found objects um, in mm. concrete and rebar and all these other things. Oh, wow. And you can, you can walk through them and see all these old bottles and ceramics and just look at this stuff for hours. Um, it just, it adds 
such an incredible amount to a project, especially in a world where like there's so much interchangeability in items and commodification. Um, using so something much, that tells yeah. a story is so attractive and it's something I would like to do more. It's totally. And it's some, it's one of those things that I think like I really, so my, my mother had a dining room table that she got when her adoptive parents passed away. And, uh, it was like heavy. I think it was white Oak, but it was stained super dark. Um, because that's what they did back in the day. But anyways, uh, at, at the end, when my parents got divorced, she had it in storage for a long time. And she asked me if I wanted it. And I didn't really have room. It's a really big table. And, and you know, I thought my my sister wanted it. And it ended up that no one, it ended up no one wanted it. And no one took it. And then she like basically just gave it away. And what I wish I had thought of at the time was to take it. And at least instead, I could have made her something. Because if she couldn't, she couldn't use the the table where she moved. She didn't want to move it with her. But I remember she really loved the table, and it was like a, a big thing that she got into an argument with her, you know, brothers and sisters about it when her parents passed away. It was like the only thing she wanted. Uh, she didn't want anything else from the estate. She just wanted this table for whatever reason, and now it's gone, and, and it's never. She's never going to have it again, right? But if I had taken it. Even if I wasn't using it as a table, if I said, I'll take it and make you something from it, I could have made her something that she could use today. It's like, mm. and that's where I think some interesting reclaiming materials, like you don't have to, like it's great to take an old table and make it into an old table, right? And like just fix it up and make it usable again. But it's also great to like take something and get some raw material from it because you can't get hundred year old oak anymore like you can but it's insanely expensive i don't know it's just stuff i i think about and knowing knowing where that wood's come from is going to add sentimental value to whatever you make as well yeah exactly and now it's just some random people got it for basically nothing hmm. and you so. know like i i think a lot of people are quick to hate on like hipster coffee shops that have like a beautiful old printing press like sitting on the corner or turned into a table or something. But it is like, it does add an incredible amount to a space, even if it's not being used for its original purpose and is now just like an interior decorating item. Um, Jimmy's opening coffee shops now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet they still work. You can sit at the man table and then you just take the table away and you can print away while you're having a coffee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I don't understand why people hate on anything in reality. Like I don't epoxy river tables. I'm like, go for it. I don't care. Like mm-hmm. if you don't like an epoxy river table, don't buy it. Like they're not exactly. asking you to to have it in your home, right? If you're sick of or, saying them, scroll on. Don't watch the video. Don't. Right. But yeah. I love these like old anything that you take something and you repurpose it into something else. And when we get into our clamp mendations, I'll definitely be talking about someone that I know. Uh, on YouTube that does that a lot. Um, but there are so many people who do it and do it well and kind of can see the value in everything. And I'm I'm a big hoarder too. If anyone ever looked, like I have 13 aluminum rims just laying around my property. Um, <laughs> That's for all your snow tires. No, no, these are just old ones. So no, no, either ones, yeah. That doesn't include all the ones that have tires on them. So I have... Uh, so I just have them all laying around. 
You have one just for your hose. Yeah, I have one. Exactly. You saw that. I've actually repurposed a single one of them. That's Mm. it. Out of all the ones that I've grabbed. But, like, I've ones from Corvettes. I have ones from our BMW race team. And, like, I have ideas in my head of how to use them. But they never seem to, like, be formed enough to to do it. Like, Mm. they're just, like... Mm. It's like there's a there's like a centerpiece of the idea and the rest is clouded. And you're like, I can see I need it. I can't throw it out. But the rest so is just if, too cloudy for me to do it. <laughs> maybe maybe this will spur some ideas. Um, what I think is the coolest thing about using old stuff and found items is seeing the events that happened to that item seeing the battle scars in it, seeing where people interacted with it. It's like um, the Bunker Hill. No, no, not Bunker Hill. There's some some very old building in the U.S. I think it might be in Washington, D.C. Uh, no, Leaning Tower of Pisa. There we go. I got okay. there. Um, so <laughs> the steps in the Leaning Tower of Pisa are made of marble, and they're worn in the middle where people walked on them. There's like footsteps in them from hundreds of years of people walking up the tower. So one day someone decided, well, let's flip the steps over. And they saw that there was the same markings on the other side, meaning that hundreds of years earlier, someone had decided <laughs> the exact same thing. And it no just, way. Shows you, just shows you how Crazy. much story is in that building. So I actually might be misattributing. I'm pretty sure it's Leaning Tower of Pisa. It might be a different historical monument, but it doesn't really matter. What matters yeah. is it, I think those things where you see where the people have been, like you see – the little spot in the door jam where the door was slammed a thousand times over 20 years of a family living there. Yeah. Like that is something that you can't fake. That is. And that's this distressed. I don't like fake distressed stuff. I like real distressed stuff. Yeah. Like this. Mm. I I don't mind. Like if you want to make your own fake distressed stuff, people do it all the time. That's fine. I think it's really funny. People take something old, paint it, and then distress it. And I go, well, it started out distressed. Anyways. Um, but like, I don't, exactly. That's the, you can't replicate where the hands really were. Hmm. You can try, like I did this distressed look on a ladder, like a blanket ladder. And it's hmm. like, well, where do you think they're going to go? They're going to go up the rungs, of course. But you can't tell where the, they eventually switch to holding their hands on the side instead of like the rung or the side, because sometimes you grab the side. You can't tell where someone carried it for 15 years, right? If that was mm-hmm. a real ladder, because my neighbors next door actually have an old painted ladder. I tried to get him to give it to me, but he didn't. He's never going to use it again, but he wouldn't <laughs> give it to me. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing where it's like, that would, I don't want, I want to throw mine in the garbage and take that old one and make that old one just put a, a little bit of clear on it so it doesn't. Like the paint, lead paint doesn't flake off everywhere. Uh, and mm. yeah, that's the, I love those stories. And I, so I have some wheels from when we crashed and I really want to highlight the crash. Like they're, they're broken. They're, they've been skidded on. Like the, the aluminum has, has been like ground down with the asphalt acting as a, you know, a sandpaper or whatever. And I just don't know what to do with those. So if anyone out there so has a great like idea, you need to open, sounds like you need to open a rustic auto bar. bar. Yeah, so, in twenty twenty, so I, I, I have an idea, Grant. Yeah. Um, so last no, summer, wait, wait two days, it'll be twenty twenty one. 
Yeah. <laughs> Last summer, I worked at that Rocky Mountain Lodge, and this yes. is a, a real historic place. I mean, it has been operating as a lodge since the early 1900s. Like we're talking like 1910s. Um, and I think the log cabins were built even before then. Um, so everything on the property has tons of history. Like there are pictures everywhere. Like you go into the basement of the staff quarters and there's signatures on the wall from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, all these little inside jokes everywhere. And one of the best places to find stories was inside the shop. Like the shop was this incredible place because people had spent decades optimizing it perfectly for these lodge operations. Um, and some people might be on maintenance there for a few years. Some people might be there for 20 years if in terms of like the lodge managers. And, um, so there's all these different things on the walls. There were some pictures and some, like one year someone decided in their off time to like, uh, power carve like a massive dick that's just hanging on the wall, (laughs) like things like that. And I can tell you I'm not putting a massive dick in my garage. I know, I know. (laughs) But there was all these objects on the wall that would tell a story of the shop. And you could spend hours just looking around in this maybe like, I don't know, 15 foot by 30, 40 foot room. Um, And the summer I was there, um, I actually got in a little fender bender with one of the lodge vehicles, our van, and I cracked the uh, rear taillight. And I was super nervous. Like it was the very end of the season. I had a really good relationship with my boss and I was like, oh no, this is like the worst way to end things. But he was super understanding, like no hard feelings. It was on, in the grand scheme of things that could happen at a 120 year old launch. It was very, 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 very minor. Um, it, nothing so, that was 120 years old broke something yeah. that's brand new and fixable broke. <laughs> exactly. So um, on my last day, um, we kind of sat down, cracked some beers in the shop, reflected on the summer, and uh, he took the taillight and the three of us on the maintenance team signed it and we hung it on the wall. So like now that's always there and it will always mm-hmm. tell a story. Yeah. So I think doing something like that with the with the wheels could be really cool. Like so somewhere – We did that with the fender. The mm-hmm. fender's hanging in the Eight Lakes Racing uh, shop. Uh, cause it was also mangled up. If you can believe that the, if the wheel gets mangled up that bad, something bad happened to the fender too. Um, and we have that hanging up on the wall there and I took the wheel, they got the fender. I agree. That would be something nice to do. And that's exactly what we did to commemorate that thing. That's why I wanted something like bigger, better with, with this one. I don't know. So, so here's another one. If you could do a little collab with Rod or anyone who had a photo of the crash, it would be so cool if you had like a big blown up photo of the crash as a background and then mount the wheel over the photo. I do kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check. I don't think I got any. We'll have to check for as much as like you think everyone's taking photos of the, of the crash sites. It's actually harder to get those because you generally crash where you're not supposed to be. So no one's looking there. (laughs) Right. Right. So, like, depending on, and this happened at uh, the Trois Grand Prix of Trois Rivières, and uh, it's a street track. So, anyways, it's not very open. So, if you don't have a clear line of sight, you don't have a clear line of sight. So, we'll have to look. Right. We might have one. I know I got inside camera view, but that's not very exciting. 
Just so they oh, have, it's a wall. Um, <laughs> so they have their own like shop that they work in. They don't just work mm-hmm. out of a trail. Uh, could you use it? Could you use the wheel for like a to make the base of like a table that they could sit at? So I could totally. I've thought about a base of a table or the top of a table. That is definitely one of the things that is. I see that part of it. You could do both base of the table, top of the table, and then a glass sheet on top of the table. Yeah. And this is where the the cloud happens in the how to. This is like the problem with my mind is I go, I see this, but I don't know how to. I need more experience. What about a clock? It would be a huge clock, 17 inch clock or 19 inch (laughs) clock. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That would be. I've thought about that, but then you cut, you have to cut the wheel because the wheel's like nine inches deep. Nine inches wide. Mm-hmm. Clocks yeah. are clocks are actually a really good opportunity for reclaimed stuff. Um, we had these beautiful old uh, teacups in our family that like no one knew what to do with. So my mom commissioned an artist to mount them on a, probably like a three foot diameter disc and make a giant clock out of them. It's this teacup wow. clock, and it's like it's unique. There's nothing like it in the world. Yeah, well, it's like the. When I sent a bunch of uh, random saw blades to, like a scroll saw blade and a jigsaw blade to uh, Shane at uh, Flip and Rejects, and he turned them into a saw clock, where yeah. he did the back plate was a saw, and then the hands was a saw. It was lots of saws, but he's uh, he's actually I should just go I should send him and and. My uh, <laughs> send him the wheel. <laughs> no, yeah, I should send him a wheel, but I should send him pictures of all the stuff I have in my garage attic that I've been hanging on to because I feel like it could become something. Like I have old vacuum if cleaners and stuff. If you're worried about like the wheel sticking too far off the wall, what about making something around it, like a set of cabinets, and then mm. so that the wheel is in the middle of the cabinets or something? Yeah, so it doesn't stick as far. But um, you also idea. just Let's reminded move me about making. Yeah, go ahead. You also just reminded me about making. Um, so that that drum yeah. that I turned into a coffee table. I got yeah. I got a message last night that the um, the person that asked me to do it, her mom absolutely loved it. So yay, that was cool. Nice. Yeah. Now that was a really cool reclaimed uh, project. Yeah. Would have been cool to like see it as a table or something at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I also I love how much you leaned into the fact that you didn't have any beauty shots. It was like even more abrupt for the fact. I'm so you disappointed know, in myself. It's actually probably better as a video, but mm. that's like a whole discussion for another day because I've been chatting with a guy who who's been uh unfortunately too busy to like actually make anything. Uh but he has his old videos and all he's been doing is changing thumbnails and and cutting the end. So, you know, when you watch your thing and everyone cuts off, he's been cutting that off. So the videos mm. just end abruptly. <laughs> and he said it, he's been getting way more views because of it because his audience retention is way up. Mm. So he's literally yeah, I think, just – I think beauty shots are overrated. That, I think people don't really that's care. That's really I interesting. Cares. I know this isn't a topic for the day, but that's really interesting. There's a few people I watch that don't have end screens. They literally just – cut off the video and i was looking at my analytics which i never do for my last video and my audience retention was right up until the second that the end screen started (laughs) and that's where everyone dipped out yeah there you go people might be on something there i'm gonna get rid of my end screen to bring it back around a little bit to uh reclaim stuff i think 
I think what we're all kind of talking about as well is that it's really difficult to like develop a workflow around hoarding stuff and then trying to use it eventually. Like I feel like mm-hmm. Laura Kampf kind of epitomizes the best way to approach it is that ideally you have this massive space where you can store everything. And so then one day, 10 years down the road, you have exactly what you're looking for. But I think it's really, really difficult to have like a specific found item and be like, I want to make a project with this item. That's what I like about Shane at Flip and Reject is that's what he does. Oh, he has an item beforehand. No, he just like, he picks up an item and says, this is my next project. And then he goes and makes something Mm -hmm. with it. And you're just like, I couldn't do that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's really impressive. That takes a lot of creativity. My problem is I have so much, I can't be bothered to go through it. I have that same problem too. <laughs> or, or I put it put it in a cabinet where you can't see it, and then I forget it's there. I I went and got all this pallet wood for the um for something I did recently, other the cabinet that I made. And then when I was going underneath my workbench, I realized that I have piles of pallet wood that I could have used. That was already <laughs> like cut apart and everything. Already already denailed everything. Yeah. So. Well, that is definitely Funny. something. You know, wh- why don't we talk a little bit about what makes good reclaimed material? Because you mentioned pallet wood, and obviously, like, everyone and their mother uses pallet wood. So that's a great one to, to find and obviously, you know, make sure you do your research on whether or not they're safe. Hmm. But, uh, you know, one thing I've noticed that I don't understand uh, people don't do use more of is old hardwood flooring. Hmm. So... I my friend was redoing his house and I literally got a trailer load full of oak yeah. um for free that once you take out the like hardwood flooring has like a little cutouts in it. So once you take that out, it's only half inch, but it's all free, so glue it together, right? Like it's no different yeah. than pallets. Like once you take all the pallet stuff out, and it's gonna be way nicer than pallets because doesn't it doesn't have nail holes. It. Yeah. I've got some stuff that's ten foot long. Mm. Yeah, well, it, my um, the flip top tool card I did was covered in hardwood flooring. Yeah, and yeah, same thing. Someone put up a thing on my local Facebook group and said, "All this is out the front, free to whoever wants it." I just ran over there and grabbed it all. Yeah, um, I think pallet wood specifically is more for a look that you're going for. It's more of that rustic look and and that mm, sort of maybe other than other than being free, but it's definitely it has its own look. Well, not not when Jackman uses it. <laughs> well, yeah. See, this is where I yeah. Anyways, you know, <laughs> these aren't necessarily underused, but where there is so much beauty is um, is bottles. I find like liquor companies put so much work into making yeah. very distinctive bottles because they don't have many mm-hmm. other ways to differentiate their products. Um, and yeah, like I've I've had ideas before about making lamps out of some bottles um also cologne bottles as well there's some really beautiful little bottles there where Mm -hmm. they're almost like little jewels um and actually just a quick aside if for some really great inspiration of found objects um there's this guy in montreal and he has a website called things i found in the garbage um and he makes his living as a trash picker like he'll, he'll he'll scour the streets on trash days. He knows all the best spots to go and he resells things on eBay. And he has a blog post of like all his trash picking adventures and where he finds value. 
he was he was wow. interesting he was interviewed in this podcast i think called weird work and he talks <laughs> about how he developed appreciation for things he never would have expected because they're the things that are most sought after on ebay so for example like old perfumes um and old teacups there's this like really big market for those things oh wow i literally just throw out some old cologne so that's funny yeah. I was going like going through when I was redoing my workbench, I I opened up one of the drawers and had like some cologne from when I was mm-hmm. much younger man. Uh <laughs> and I threw it out because I went, I'm never ever I never wore it then. Someone gave it to me and I'll never wear it again. You know and what I'm always like Geo or something? I, I'm always a little like hesitant about throwing out really good packaging because you look at um the sides of old brick buildings. And there are these beautiful um, signs from like the tens and the twenties of like so such and such sewing factory or such and such yeah. blacksmith, and like everyone is kicking themselves for washing and painting over those walls eighty years ago because now those are like preserved as historical artifacts. Um, and you see that I think a lot in, in some more modern packaging and sign displays as well. Well, that's why I have signs up in my garage. Because that's something I love. I can't afford the old signs, but I've like a giant interstate battery sign. Right? Yeah, it's yeah okay. It's probably from the '90s, but one day that's going to be that same thing, right? Like, you know, one and day. Again, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's something that really evokes a story because some of those older companies, like nothing exists of them anymore. Um, hmm. Like. In my my hometown's Facebook group, people are always posting pictures of pictures of like, oh, remember this old store, this old movie theater? Like, we can't get any memorabilia of it anymore. All that exists is this picture. So, like, if you have that sign, that might be like the last existing thing of yeah. that place. Well, that was a nice aside. But uh, go back to f- good places to find found materials. The junkyard is actually a good place. So Steph from Uncommon uh, Outpost, she's uh, my. She was the maker who sent me stuff from the uh, Mystery Maker collab, and she sent me a uh, seatbelt buckle, and this, and she turns them into belts. And I'm going to do something a little different with it, but it's just one of those things. Like what I'm going to be doing is combining it with some other car themed stuff to make something one day, wheels? maybe. Not wheels. <laughs> <laughs> no that's a that's a great um shout out especially in terms of buckles and things um and you can extend that to uh, if you're looking for buckles for leather working it can be really 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 difficult to find hardware and or exactly what you need so if you just go to thrift stores and look at old handbags mm-hmm. and leather jackets you can get a lot of this stuff for like pennies on the dollar and just um tear it apart for the hardware and the materials honestly for the leather as well yeah so yeah, scouring junkyards and thrift stores for hardware is is really great. Uh, I remember like my grandmother um, had like a giant thing of buttons. It's like everything she had ever had that she ever like had to throw out. <laughs> the, all the buttons went into a giant bucket. And I just remember like playing with them as a kid. Um, so it's like that same sort of like, I think there was like a mentality back in the day that that you used to save everything. Um, because you didn't have as much, but like, cause like my grandmother's in her 
90s. Uh, I think she's 97. But uh, you didn't have as much, so you saved everything. But now, like, people, like, you know, if if I was saving everything, um, it would be problematic to my life. Uh, (laughs) But one thing I do... Yeah, me too. And then the minute yeah. I throw it out, I I come up with an amazing idea of why I shouldn't have yeah. thrown it out. But one thing I do save that I really want to get out of, but then I saw a stupid video about it, were uh, all the cases for my power tools, like all those plastic cases. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there was like this guy who made a viral video of like five different ways to use those plastic cases. Um, and actually like three out of the five were actually good ideas. Um, and actually, like, things that you could actually use them for, and, like, two of them were, like, a gun case. And I'm like, I'm not going to use a gun, DeWalt gun case. But that's <laughs> what made them viral. Um, but, yeah, life I, hack. like, yeah, like, that's pretty much what it was. Life hack, five, th- anyways. Uh, it was a fine video, and it was fun, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know what I cannot stand is those blister packs in hardware stores for, like, bit sets. And yeah. those sort of things oh. where it displays the set open. So it takes up like the maximum amount of service area possible. And you're like, we did not need to use all this plastic and extra packaging. And sometimes they'll even make the case bigger so that it can display all the bits. And it's in like a terrible layout. So once you actually use it, yep. some of the packaging mm. for tools is absolutely ridiculous. Agreed. And I, I absolutely hate those like clamshell packs. That like I just got a saw blade today, and I like trying to open it up. It was you just end up just cutting it all apart, and you're just like so frustrated by the end of it. And then you've yeah. somehow sliced your hand open with the plastic, not the knife. You kept the knife away, knowing you weren't going to do that. But then you cut your hand with the plastic, yeah. and you're frustrated. <laughs> and and I think a lot of people feel that way, which is one of the reason why like the HDPE recycling has gotten so big the past couple of years. Right. And That's I wonder good- if you could. I wonder if you could do something similar with the clamshell blister pack. Because I, I don't think that's HDPE. It's it's a lesser quality plastic. Um, but you might be able to melt it down, do something with it. Uh, yeah. It's hard because it's all that yeah. stuff. Like recycling isn't a big – like they can't even use it for anything in, in the like, – re- like reasonably. I don't know. All the companies are thinking about is trying to get your eyes to look at it. Yeah. That's yeah. why they have it open like that. So you're like, oh, that looks nice. Right. Oh, shiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that I keep keeping, and I know that I'll never, ever use it, is every time my wife buys a flat pack and it comes with like a back that you have to nail on, I just get the nail gun out and nail on the back, but then I keep the nails. And I don't <laughs> know why. Uh, I've used those nails a couple of times because I do the same thing. Wait, I don't. What is a flat pack? Like IKEA. Oh, like flat pack furniture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know how it comes with like the back panel that you got to nail on. They give you a bag of nails. Yeah. Yeah. So I use a nail gun to put the back on, and then keep the bag of nails for myself. And I, I I'll never use them. <laughs> so I have all these little bags of nails everywhere. Yeah, and it, but it, it feels weird to throw them out because it feels like a real yeah. finished thing. Hmm. Yeah. It's not it's just, just like packaging. It's some, somewhere in between packaging and hardware. It's like every yeah. time I get a Phillips head screw, if it doesn't – if it isn't something that matches, like if it isn't black and I have a black whatever I'm screwing is black, if I can replace it with a silver uh, 
Robertson, I will, because they're just that much better. I take the Phillips heads, throw them in the garbage. Yeah. And you so know what I, I think of, you know what I think about sometimes yeah. when I when I think about things like that of like you have a million of X thing but you don't want to throw it away is Jimmy Duresta saying like if you ever need a project just take a thousand of something and make it into one bigger thing. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz it always has like a lot of visual impact. And that is something you could do with reclaiming stuff. You just have to be like incredibly diligent about saving all those Phillips screwdrivers and then one day you make this <laughs> wall art of like grant's face yeah so, speaking of not throwing things out i have about five ryobi tools downstairs in my shop that are completely kaput and i for some reason refuse to throw them out like one day i'm going to do something with them i never will huh. i don't know why yeah yeah well i i would be remiss if i didn't mention tim sway and yeah. hollow core doors because I've found one. I didn't know anything about Tim Sway. I didn't know anything about hollow core doors or the new palette. I didn't know anything about that. I just found one and it was perfectly good. Um, the the people were selling their house and they put it out front and I pick up I'm the guy in the neighborhood that picks up all the junk. Um, so I brought it home. <laughs> uh, I ended up getting a whole bunch of more stuff. The new people that moved into that house threw out a lot of good wood. Um because they redid the entire house. Anyways, that's an aside and on an aside. Uh, I grabbed that hollow core door and I pulled it apart. I love the plywood from that stuff. The, the plywood from that door has done is in so many projects. I'm pretty sure huh. it's in the back of your uh, the little mouse, the ouch mouse okay. uh, thing. It's a it's a hollow core door. It's not shown in so the it's, video. It's just like it eighth inch. Extra. It's just like eighth inch Luan plywood or something. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing plywood. If it hasn't been painted, it's awesome. So if it's not painted, it's like perfect plywood, right? Oh. One side's got this honeycomb pattern on it usually, but uh, yeah. So what is the, like, Tim, I, what is Tim Sway's process for using holocore doors? Does he throw away the inside and just use the thin plywood? Well, the, he has a whole video on it, so... I would uh, just. I think we should just link that in the thing, right, and you should take a look at it. It is, it is not easy to take them apart. I'll say. I'll, I definitely cut myself taking away part of the first one, um, because like they're glued together with some like honeycomb cardboard stuff in the middle. Okay, so back to what we were saying before: is it really worth the energy and the cutting yourself as opposed to spending however much it is to buy a sheet of eighty plywood? I can't find eighth inch plywood. Oh, it's not at our Home Depot. Eight inch, would have... be, eight inch would be what? Three mil. Yeah, Something it's really like small that. stuff. Yeah, that's probably like our primary thing we can buy. Well, that makes sense because Luan is actually a tropical hardwood, so it's probably closer to you than it is to us. Hmm. Um, but like, I mean, like that's also like Tim Sway is very passionate about saving stuff like that from a landfill. And so like, yes. that's the other perspective when it comes to reclaiming things is like eliminating the waste, which is incredibly noble, but I also don't think I could, um, sustainably do that because I would just get so frustrated with working with them. Like I get frustrated when I use a hollow core door. I'm like, this is who made this door just use solid <laughs> wood. I hate this thing. <laughs> it just makes me like more passionate about like when I build my house, it's going to be solid doors all the way through. Yeah. Be the, the old solid, house. the the old, doors. yeah, 
the old hollow corridors were much nicer than the new ones. Like I can see behind you that one's like a new paneled one aren't as nice. Yeah. Like the plywood's not as nice. Now they're made of like, you know, instead of actual plywood, they're made of some sort of, you know, particle board glue wood mixture. That's not real. Um, so like the old ones were actually like plywood's not a bad material. It's actually anyways, working with reclaimed materials is more frustrating but does have the advantages of saving stuff from the landfill mm-hmm. to later go into the landfill is something else, <laughs> <laughs> but it makes you feel good. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's actually like, a, like a, this is a, maybe a little bit more of a niche, but another interesting opportunity for reclaim stuff. Um, a lot of companies give out sample packs of things like flooring companies, for example, um, I put a few of them. Yeah, like I, my mom always had tons of those around because oh. she's a designer. So like she would a lot of times just give me like these piles of like luxury linoleum flooring, or whatever. It's like, do you want this to do something with? And I'm like, I guess so. It, it would be like boards like a really awkward length, so like a foot long by maybe like six inches wide or something. Yeah. Um, but if you're into like model making. Um, or anything like that, or like Jimmy Duresta says, cut it up into little pieces and make something really big out of a thousand little things. Th- those can provide yeah, like a mes- mosaic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it sometimes the processing can come down to something similar to plywood, where like they might be weird tongue and grooves that you have to rip out and get everything to a consistent size. Um, but th- there's some opportunities there as well. And they just give those away for free. So, like, no one has really any incentive to save them. It's true. It's There are so many places to get, like, re, like interesting stuff. Like, I don't know if you guys watched uh, Peter Brown, his latest video. But he took a, some, like, a, a glass, a window or a door broke. And someone packaged that up and sent it to him. Mm-hmm. And said, you should do something with this. And someone in the comments said, you should make a lampshade from it. So he did. So he took the broken glass. Like, that's literally garbage. Took the broken glass, epoxy, turned it into a lampshade. Hmm. It's a really cool, like, I thought to just take, you can take anything and make anything you want if you spend the time. And I think that's the big thing is if you want to use reclaimed stuff, it will take more time. Yeah. And if time isn't what you have, then pallet wood is not for you. If time is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, that's the thing is a lot of people go like, you know, talk about pallet wood and how great it is. And it's like, it is great. If you have time, if you don't have time, if you have like one hour a night in your shop or less than that, Try and make, try and make some more money to to not spend time out there, right? I will put I will push back in a little bit and say that using reclaim stuff is also a great way to find things to make if you are struggling with coming up with ideas because it'll give you a really great jumping off point. Um, and for me, that was really great for getting into making because it it provided me with free materials and like a reason to use something. And I will say right. also this: if you go out. 
at the end of the month or the beginning of the month. And especially in your area, if you know when our popular moving days, you will make out like a bandit if you live oh my in an area where there's a lot of renting. Right, especially anywhere near a university or a college. Yeah, because college kids don't have no idea what things are worth. Right. They literally <laughs> throw out – like college kids will throw out solid hardwood desks that their yeah. parents gave to them. Or exactly. they'll just move out and leave them behind. Like that's how – the interstate battery sign that I have in my garage was a college roommate who moved out and left it behind and it became mine. <laughs> so – Anyways, agreed. You can find a lot. They can give you great jumping off points. They can be the thing that let you make. But you have to realize there are advantages and disadvantages to everything. Yeah. So plan accordingly. Can also help teach you new skills too. trying to work around defects and and all that sort of stuff. If you don't problem problem solving. A hundred percent. For sure. One other one, just before we wrap up, um, Construction sites um, always ask, but a lot of times they are paying to have people cart away their waste material. So they might be happy to give you like half sheets of plywood. Yeah. Or any like form plywood, like the plywood that they use for making forms, they often use it once and throw it out. And so it might have a little concrete on it, but. And you know, don't look, don't look down on a good old fashioned dumpster dive. Yeah. Yeah, so, and next door neighbors just got a house built and there was a dumpster. I'm devastated. I didn't go through it. But just quickly, one more, one more place where you can get stuff. If you, so we have a vinyl cutter. We can make our own stickers and all that sort of stuff. The places that wrap cars and stuff will literally throw away rolls of vinyl that they're not going to use because they'll cut it to the shape of the car. They have no use for what's left. They'll literally throw it in their dumpster. So mm. if you're into making stickers and have a vinyl cutter and stuff, go to your local sign making place and they will literally give you their scraps, which could be like meter rolls that they don't use. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll end this conversation on a little story. Um, when I went to university for engineering, our frosh week, we would have a, the, the end of frosh week, we all had to build canoes out of, uh, not canoes, build boats, sorry, out of uh, found material, and then there would be a boat race. And you basically just got like 10 rolls of duct tape, I think, and that was it. And you had to go find everything else. And uh, and I'm certain that all the construction sites knew about this. but And yet they still didn't have security. I don't know why. Um <laughs> So, yes, definitely construction sites are the place to go. You'd be surprised how much stuff you can get in the back of a early 90s uh, Nissan 240SX. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, – How much you could fit in there or how much you could find in someone's? <laughs> how much you could fit in the back of it. Uh, um, so I don't know what your laws are like in Canada now, but in Australia, they – when they're building a house, they have to have temporary fencing put up now because so many people got injured dumpster diving and stuff. Mm. Wow. I, I did see Ozzy Man doing a little video of someone trying to steal actually the fence and then it fell on them and they got <laughs> stuck underneath. We we had someone recently nearby um, steal the fence from a cemetery. Oh, wow. So some well, people just have no shame. Anyways, if you want to build a boat of reclaimed material, I'll tell you the secret because I think two years after it, they stopped this competition because everyone built the same thing. You take sheet metal and you build a canoe. Mm, that makes sense. 
Yeah. Uh, so, wh- what is Frost Week? Uh, Frost Week is the first week of university. So oh, it's like so a, it has nothing to do with Frost. Typically frosh. accompanied by lots of drinking oh, and social events. Right. Yes. Is it Frost? I'm thinking you're making canoes in the first week of winter. <laughs> Well, it is Canada, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, I hope you guys all enjoyed that conversation. Let's get on to our clamp mendations, and I'm going to start out with mine. I'm going to go with uh, refuse, refuse, reuse, uh, not refuse, reuse. Even though it's spelled the same way, uh, it's uh, Tom. He he basically he actually did a little video today about his downstairs workshop. And it showed all of the stuff he has laying around. He makes a lot of guitars. And the the my recommendation is to watch the hubcap guitar that he has on there. I really love car-themed uh, guitars and stuff. Um, and if I had a hubcap, I would definitely make a guitar if I knew how um, to make a guitar. But, yeah. yeah, I think you should make a four-wheel guitar. Yeah, they're a little heavy. Mm-hmm. A hub- <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> yeah. I've seen people make guitars out of concrete. Yep. And yeah, I'll put that on the list of things I'll, I'll definitely do with my guitar wheels or my wheels. <laughs> so Adam, what, what um, do you recommend? Before I go on, I need to ask, what is refuse? It's uh, like garbage. garbage. Oh, okay. refuse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Garbage. Um, so I haven't actually watched the video yet, but I love the idea is to be directed to put out a video today of making a case for his calipers. And I just love the idea of making a case for like special tools. You know what? I think it's great about it because you haven't watched the video. So I think it comes in a case and he just threw away the case, which I think is really funny because it's the opposite of what we've been talking about this entire time. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) Um, Because my, yeah, but mine came in a plastic case as well. And I think like making a a nice wooden case for it would be really cool. Oh, it's a, it, he definitely made a beautiful case. It looks awesome. Yeah, I've never actually done a project like that before. I've never made a really specific case for something, I don't think. I've yeah. done some holsters, but that would be a cool project. Maybe. Well, you made a case for like first aid. Yeah, yeah, that's true, but not for a tool. I'd like to do one for a tool. Maybe we should send all our like rubbish like that and blister packs to Smuggler's Room because he turns them all into parts for his stuff. He yeah. turns blister packs into parts? Well, he uses them to make 3D molds of parts. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I got to check that out. Yeah. Well, yeah, more like a recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've, we've recommended them before. It's all good. Um, yeah. I wanted to recommend a new project by Eve over at Project and Things. Um, he made a metal hand for a guitar. He made basically like out of a bunch of scrap metal, um, a hand doing the rock on sign. Uh, as a wall-mounted guitar hanger. And it was a really cool project, but one thing I also liked about it a lot was that um, he also used the project to tell the story of the song for the video as well. So it all sort of linked together at the end. Um, Yes. And that is something I would like to do eventually in one of my videos is compose some music for it. Um, So it was getting some of the gears turning for strategies to do that. Um, Yeah, it's a really cool video. That was going to be my pick, and I you stole it from me, but that's yeah, fine. It's fine. Uh, but what I really liked about it is he took a, a song that's 
it's probably, I don't know, two minutes long, whatever the actual song is that was composed. And he spread it over 10 minutes. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, that's true. And I thought that's a great way of doing like a single song over such a long period is showing how it's being created. Really mm-hmm. extended it. I don't know. I thought it was a really cool way to use a single song. I don't know. Hmm. Anyways, I hope he, you know, hope he appreciates that we all watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports this show, but especially thank you to the F Clamp level, uh, Leroy from Big Rock Timberworks. Um, so thank you very much to him. Um, for anyone who's interested in what Patreon is and what you get, we basically have a, uh, a a pre-show where we talk about often what we're drinking and sometimes have great conversations like we had today. And then we also have an after show. Um, we always have the after show. Sometimes we the pre-show isn't very good, so we don't put it out there. We always put out an after show uh, where we <laughs> talk about something. And uh, we also, every patron... Gets a uh, leather uh, key chain that's been debossed by the one and only Morley Kurt. Um, you mixed it up. It's actually embossed. Oh, no. You heard me, <laughs> like, hesitate there for a second. I did, yeah. uh, And I got it wrong. So you can go to patreon.com slash clamp and uh, sign up there. And if you, uh, you know, even if you are a patron, you can... We, we recommend you sharing the show. Um, you know, if you want to share the show, you can always go on Instagram and uh, press the little paper airplane button, and that will allow you to share the show with either anyone you want or as a story, um, and you can do that. So that's something, in case you didn't know, you can share any post that way. You can go on my Instagram know. and share that. Did Instagram hmm. invent the paper airplane logo as uh, the icon for sharing? I don't know, but I like it better than the little three nodes. The little three node sharing, I don't like. Yeah, because that could mean anything. Yeah. I don't know. I like the paper airplane, and I'm a button presser, so I've always – I press all the buttons, so I found that out one day. (laughs) Uh, So at this point, we normally go into the people reviewing our clamps, but I, I checked. We don't have one, so, you know. Everyone should go and, and review our clamps so that Morley can actually have part. That's his job here. We pay him to do this. It's the only so, thing I do. <laughs> it's the only thing he brings to the table. Yeah. So uh, don't forget to go review our clamps. And I want to thank uh, TF Turning for the use of the theme song. And uh, any other business? No, nada. All right. Well, I want to say where you can find everyone. You can find Morley at Morley Kurt everywhere. You can find Adam at Maker Mackie everywhere. You can find me at The Grant Alexander everywhere. And uh, you can find us collectively as uh, Clampcast on Instagram. And we're also on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and podcasts everywhere. Well, you're already listening, so that seems really weird. To say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the show is going downhill, so I'm going to end it here. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. See ya.
guys, um, is Grant laggy at all for you? No. Not me neither. Oh. Right. <laughs> okay, I was like, that was a twist. <laughs> <laughs> uh.